0: Hey everyone, welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. GCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about new and upcoming video games as well as who they are and what they do behind the scenes. In this episode, I talk to Ricardo Seligman and David Sorlet about Kill Squad, a action RPG that is currently in early access on Steam that mixes elements of Diablo and MOBAs with short mission design to be highly replayable both solo and in co-op. For more information about the game, check out the links in the description below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on DarkStation.com, there you can also find the original Darkcast as well as other video game reviews, previews, and features. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at DarkStation underscore com, Find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. To the Darkcast or Darkcast interviews. I, I get confused at which podcast I'm introducing every now and then. But uh, I'm Jonathan and uh, I'm talking with Ricardo and David about Kill Squad today, uh, which is very exciting. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great, really great. Awesome! Thank you for this
2: opportunity.
0: Absolutely, thank you guys for uh, for being here and and talking about your game. It's always this is one of my my favorite things that I get to do. Uh, I on Dark Station we have a, like a, a podcast where we talk to other you know writers on the site, kind of like I guess you know regular video game podcasts, and then I also do a book club podcast, uh, and both of those are a lot of fun. But getting to talk to people in depth about the games that they're making is probably my favorite thing that i get to do so i i'm really glad that you guys are here
1: yeah so we will because it takes a long time to create such a product and then when you start to release it and getting the people's feedback and talking about it it's, it's mm-hmm. becomes exciting
0: oh yeah absolutely and we're we're in an exciting time here for for the game because uh unless i'm mistaken it will be coming out on steam early access pretty soon here
1: yeah, we'll, we'll plan to do it most likely after E3, we're prepping everything up, uh, we're going to be at E3, okay? Uh, so in, yeah, in the indicate booth, if everybody wants, is going to be there and wants to come and see and play the game first for the demo that we're going to have, it will be amazing, uh, and then we're going to prep yeah for an early access to get the community involved as well in the development, because the, we're building a game basically for the community, and we want to build it with the community.
0: Very cool, very cool. So uh, we're going to get all into that here in just a moment, but before we do, uh, let's talk a little bit about who uh, the two of you are and kind of what you do uh, at Novarama on Kill Squad.
1: Cool. So I'm um, Ricardo Seligman. I've been doing games for the last 10 years, work for big companies, EA, and uh, Worked for Game Loft, doing social games, so I've been, like, touch everything PC and gaming, uh, and then mobile games as well, with the craze that came in the late 2000s. Um, And now I'm a senior producer here in Novarama, and I've been handling the project from the early stages now until launch. Uh, It's been a very interesting ride to work with uh, an indie team and an indie studio. You know, you have a lot of more energy and... uh, we have a lot of more passion for the project. And I'm here with David Soler, who is the lead programmer.
2: Yes. Hello, I'm David and the programmer. And here at Novarama, I work primarily on development of the game with our team, which I have to say is pretty talented, and it's also being able to work with so just some people. And I primarily do a lot of different kinds of programming, and... Get a big say for instance heroes or Mark generation, the they type of the game and working any kind of things that really being able to develop this kind of game being an indie title that you have the freedom to create what you want I have to say it's really awesome
0: I can imagine that's uh I feel like that's why we constantly see people leaving the the AAA space because it they get tired of making games that boardrooms want them to make and they want to make something. Uh, that if not they want to make, that there's somebody like on the project who it's, it's their, you know, vision uh, that they really want to see come to life.
1: Yeah, yeah it's a different way of creating stuff because normally, you know, big companies they have you like these kind of presets and how the market is going and all these business analysis because at the end of the game you want to make money. Uh, when you work in an indie studio it's just completely different. It's like we have a passion for playing games and we want to build uh, a game, you know, that would be in the highest expectation and make it fun for us to have some time to entertainment uh, and have a good time, basically. So it's a different kind of approach how, how you develop games. Very cool.
0: Now, both of you are, are currently working at Novarama, obviously, because that's uh, the, the studio that is, is making the game. How many people are, are on this project?
1: In total, with art, design, and programmers, we're around 20 people. Okay. Yeah. More or less, yeah. Some people, you know, have hovered on a lot of other projects, but yeah, around 20 people. That's... So, uh, History of Novarama, we've, we've been, like, a studio for 30, uh, around 10 years. We, we used to have a third party uh, from, for Sony in Europe, and we've created the Invisible Saga, which was uh, during the heydays of the PSP and PS Vita uh, PlayStation 3. Uh, and we even created uh, a TV show on Netflix at the time.
0: Really? Okay, I was gonna. I wanted to ask about that because I, I'd never actually heard of that uh, that franchise before. And uh, I don't know, you, you guys uh, did that for quite a number of years, from like two thousand nine
1: uh, to change the baby stages yeah. of AR with the PSP mm-hmm. camera. So we were like we cutting edge technology work on that, you know, and the connection of life through, through the PSP and then the creation of all, all, all these little collectibles, which was, was like a really big IP for, for Sony Europe at the time. But of course, with the decline of the portable gaming with the mobile phone era, that, that came down, it had to end sadly. But it was, was really big for a lot, of, a lot of years.
0: That's really cool. That is really cool now um my brain is uh it fails to work sometimes um kill squad it looks like a pretty big uh departure from the last few games that you guys have made uh what i guess what was kind of the the impetus behind making something like kill squad uh from where you were well
2: in the end we wanted to to do something different, because we haven't really done a lot of the same game over and over. So we tried to do a game that we wanted to play, we say a lot of us play Diablo, Pit of the Storm, or other kind of games, so we wanted to say, let's create a game that we will also be able to play, because the franchise, the other franchise was more focused on a child audience, in this case we wanted to make, well, the game that we wanted and create
1: a universe with it. Yeah, so kind of like teen to young adults or even adults, for that matter. Um, and a lot of the guys here are really fans of Diablo Hearthstone, and also play a couple of more League of Legends, so they're used to that top camera view. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, say, oh, how do we improve it? Because some games, you know, take a, Diablo takes a lot of commitment until you reach the, the hero to a certain point, and then you're able to go to raids where you get the best loot, uh, well, here's of the storms the MOBA, so it's kind of different our place. So said, "How how do you combine the two? How how, how do you make uh, kind of like this bounty hunter loot experience with having like to commit like 40 hours of gameplay? So that's basically the core of what we want to achieve with, with uh, Kill Scott. Okay
0: very cool now uh before we actually get into the game itself uh is have you guys been with novarama throughout your career and if not where were you before and kind of what what are some of the games that you've worked on before
1: uh for me i i uh, I, i've known uh, the founders of novarama since around 10 years Mm -hmm. the the founders they they have a I have a master of video game design here in Barcelona at Pompeu University, and I was a former student of them. So I graduated from their master. Uh, and then I went uh, to work with several companies around Europe for Electronic Arts. I went for Jagger. I did Spec Ops The Line, which took a games.
0: Oh, yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, that, that sure that'll
0: that pique huh? some people's interest right there. That's <laughs> yeah. That was very interesting. And then uh, I had the chance to work at Game Love
1: doing mobile games. Um, and then ended up in the UK working for several third-party Sony Studios as well. Mm-hmm. And well, in my case,
2: I actually also graduated from the same master as Ricardo, from the Punto Fabra University. Um, I've actually only worked in Novarama all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Since, since he graduated. Very cool.
0: Very cool. Alright, well, let, let's get into the the game itself. Uh, so Kill Squad, it's coming out and early access pretty soon. But I guess to start us off, you know, what is the the elevator pitch for this game? You've already mentioned Diablo, uh, but what is, uh, you know, if somebody's never heard of it before, what's kind of the, the down and dirty, the, the basics of the game?
1: So what we want to do is like create like short missions for the game because it's based on bounty hunters. And the idea is we want to focus on the fun not on the commitment of, of the game, because a lot of games nowadays you require a lot of commitment to reach a certain level and start enjoying it with all the features. Uh, we want to have an action-oriented control of the game and small sessions, preparations, you know, like Hero of the Stones, how they work. Uh, play contracts. You unlock gear and loot and weapons and you get access to other more difficult contracts. So that's the core of the game. And since it works uh, on contracts, that's like a cantina, like a bounty hunt cantina, like a most isolated cantina where everybody meets there and discuss what contracts they have. They team together and then they go play it. And then once they complete the mission, they get the loot. So we want to have that always evolving, always changing to make it interesting and fun. And then work with that, like, uh, with special kind of seasons or, you know, limited time contracts that you can only get on specific dates. And have that really engage in the community, work out the solutions to solve it. So uh, that's what we're trying to build as a social game based on this kind of gameplay.
0: Very cool. So you mentioned that you want the the missions to be smaller, so you're not having to dedicate you know a huge chunk of time, but you still get that kind of rewarding, uh, I guess, loot grindy experience. What what is your aim for mission length? Then is it ten minutes, half an hour? What what is
1: yeah, the, the, I think the longest one would take 30 minutes, but on average it would be like 10-15 minutes okay. of a bounty hunter mission, which, which is like in short course, Like you, you can play 3 or 4 in one evening if you have time,
2: but mm-hmm.
1: if you want a quick one and you're in lunch break and you just want to jump on it, you can have like a 10-minute one and, and do it and still get something out of it, and you can still get a reward, a progression, mm-hmm. still get a badge or a trophy, and stuff like that.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned getting loot at the end of the mission. Uh, Is that, are you kind of, is the plan to have loot be the reward for doing a mission, or are you picking up loot uh, while you're playing the game as well, like a a traditional Diablo esque
2: game? In our case, right now, the the end of the mission gives you loot, but also there is a vendor outside the mission that you're able to buy certain weapons of gear from them. Something like the endrons in a game like Destiny, for instance. Hmm. And also sometimes in the mission itself, a very special vendor will appear with rare weapons where you can buy from them the weapons. So it's a mix of different things. But right now, the plan is end of the mission, vendor outside of the mission, and the special vendor inside it. Not drop it by enemies. But as an early access game, of course, a lot of things can change in the development of the game. Yeah. So we will test it out with the community and see. Yeah, we want to know what the
1: actual community wants and, and pick on that. So we want to build with them the, the rest of the game and the experience. And you also get some resources, and in, like in-game credits, which is like the space currency. So you, you can play around with those as well to improve the weapons. So we're building kind of the internal economic system as well, basically what the guys explore and how much uh, resources and credits do they get throughout the mission?
0: Okay. Very cool. Now, in talking about loot, you know, like watching the trailer for the game, uh, there's the obvious kind of normal melee weapon stuff that you would expect from a game like this, but then there are also a lot of guns as well. Uh, are, are you aiming for a balance of guns or is it more gun heavy than melee heavy other way around? And how does, I guess, you know, in a top down, um, you know, isometric RPG like this, it's usually magic and, and melee weapons. Guns are kind of a fresh thing. Obviously you see them in things like Borderlands or Destiny or whatnot. Uh, how do you go about, uh, Balancing the gameplay for something like that. So, I guess first, w- what is the balance of the two and, <laughs> and how do you do that?
2: Yes, of course. Uh, in no game, it's not the weapons, wrench uh, weapons or close range weapons. It depends on the character itself. Uh-huh. So, for instance, every character has a distinct weapon, or Cosmo has a hammer, Troy uh, t- uh, t- has two, two pistols. So, it depends on the character. Right now, two of our characters are melee based and two of our characters are racket. But every character has its core gameplay that differs from the other and a unique weapon that it's mm, pertains only to that character. And in our case, balancing ranged combat with mid combat is indeed something that is not easy. So it was a difficult decision if we wanted only ranged or only, only melee. But in the end, what we do is that, for instance, melee characters can attack more enemies at once, so they have more crowd control abilities. And the ranked characters are able to survive better, because they have the range, but they do not have that amount of crowd control that the melee characters have. So it's more of a kind of balance, and right now it's 50-50, yeah. but that can change. So we
1: want to test how actually it actually plays out with uh, real players, or, like massive uh, uh, game sessions, so that's what we're looking forward to seeing. It will make, we'll make it the tweaks necessary to improve the experience.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that two are melee based and two are two of the characters are uh, ranged based in terms of their combat. Uh, let's talk a little bit about who these characters are. I see a guy that has like a Jason hockey mask, uh, and he's he's running around with a sledgehammer. So that's, that's immediately that's, intriguing. That's say. Like he's
1: like a tank. His name is He's like a tank. Yeah. So is yeah, is yeah, this
0: yeah. Jason? Like after the Jason X movie? We, we got a <laughs>
1: I, I think um, the thing is our art director, he loves horror movies <laughs> so he got an inspiration from Jason and put that mask on I thought it was brilliant so the mythology is that it's like many years in the future, the story and uh, there's a lot of like Earth is like a waste place like a wasteland so they get a lot of this they, they see this, a lot of like, pop culture stuff so they, they found this mask and just put it on and, and the, uh, the other character, which is a slingshot, Troy, he he has a baseball cap and he's like a metal dude. Um, so it's kind of this future alien that connects with Earth, kind of, uh, uh, basically world that we want to bring to life. Um, so yeah, a Cosmo in this case... Um, is a, a melee character, uh, Troy, which is this one uh, with, with the cap, he,
2: he's, he's,
1: he's the gunslinger. He has more like a range, um, kind of gameplay mechanics. And then we have Cassandra, which she is a monk assassin, and she also has a sword. And the last one's... Zero. Zero, she, she supports Zero, is like an android robot who was like a bummer the aviator I mean, jacket uh, and he's also range as well
0: okay very cool uh so I guess that that makes a little more sense as far as like having each character have their own weapon type as to why you're not just constantly picking up new weapons but kind of getting rewarded for something geared towards the person that you're playing as i assume do you do you unlock weapons for all four characters or are you just unlocking? Weapons for the character that you play a particular mission as.
2: There was at the end of the mission are for the character that you're trying currently, but in the vendors so you can buy weapons for the character that you want.
1: Yeah, so you can, you can use to be to random. random. Yeah, you can use your credits in the, in the in the in the vendors in the shops to get all types of weapons or upgrade the ones you can have.
0: Okay, and so when you're playing the game, since you can kind of get more weapons for the than the character that you're just playing as right then. Uh, yeah, something like Diablo, you pick a character, you start the game, and you play through the game as that character, and you're leveling up that one character. Uh, are you picking one of these guys at the beginning, or are you kind of bouncing around between who you want to be uh, as you want to be that person?
2: Nice. In, in the game, you can pick the character at the beginning of the mission, so you can change if you want. And we have implemented a system that will be able to make make it easy for the players to level the other characters once a character is very high level. Mm-hmm. As they do not share their weapon, but share their gear, and as the level of the character is based on the different kind of weapon plus gear, at hero power you would call it, or light and in Destiny. So if you have high gear for one character, that gear, is exclusive for the weapon, can transfer to the other characters. So, in a sense, if you have a high-level characters, the other characters will be easier to level up.
0: Okay. So, equipment is not level locked. So, if I'm level 53 and I'm playing as Zero, then um, I can share that same gear with Cassandra, and yeah. if I've never actually played the game as her before.
2: Yeah, that's the idea. Okay. So you accumulated resources,
1: credits, and then you turn that into gears. And then uh, and then you're able to
2: buy more advanced weapons uh, or sell them as well. Yes, we wanted to create progression, but also, if people want to play as different characters, do not force them to level up once again yeah, from the beginning, that's why it's... Sure. sure.
1: Uh,
0: so we've got the, the four characters uh, who are, are... Are they classes, or like what... How would you divide up these characters in terms of, I guess, traditional uh, RPG classes? Or do they fit into those roles?
1: Uh, To some degree they do, but we want to create other characters as well with mixed kind of skills, so we have a lot of variety. The the idea is to keep bringing characters, more bounty hunters, into our lineup. Mm. So they will vary. So we've taken certain characteristics of the current rack that you have in any kind of MOVA or FPS game like Overwatch when you have... The DPS one that would be to some degree uh, Troy. You have the tank that would be uh, Cosmo, and then you have another DPS, but it's basically melee, which is Cassandra. And then you have the support, which is the healer, that would be Zero. So we're taking these stereotypes, but we wanna create new characters as well that have some mix of these attributes as well, and then build a bigger roster of, of bounty hunters. That's the idea.
0: Okay. Do you have room as you're leveling up the characters to kind of go down different upgrade paths, or is it a more linear upgrade path? How, how does leveling your character up work?
2: Yes, uh, in the game there are two different ways of leveling up. One is the vector, that is the, the gear level that I told you with before, and the other is the level itself of the character, and that level is only linked to the contract, to the one session of the game. As you kill enemies, you level up and then you can unlock different kinds of skills only for that game. Hmm. It's similar to the system that uses Sphere of the Storm, where you yeah. every few levels you can select three upgrades and well, it's a system like that. But once you start over again uh, another another session, then the characters start at level one and they level up and you can choose different upgrades. Wow. So you make your custom build inside the game. And outside of the game, you make your build with the gears and the perks that they have.
0: Gotcha. That, that makes sense. Okay. Now it's it's all fitting together. It's a, <laughs> yeah, so, you
1: know, a, a different experience. You know, like you, you're know, you in there. You say, oh, this time I want to unlock this and this kind of, of ultimate uh, because it will help me pass through this contract. But you still have to take the gear and, and, and the weapons that are optimizing and give you a, a higher kind of
2: a level and damage points as well. For instance, Cosmo tank, has two, abil- two ultimate abilities. One is a Metro Jam, that is quite devastating, if you want, you want to do a lot of damage, you can take that, that one. But if you want to support the team, you can take his other ultimate, that is the shields that make the party invulnerable for 8 seconds. Yeah. So depending on the situation, you will want to take one ultimate or the other. And we don't want to lock that. Like, as you progress,
1: we want to have that. So, so the skill tree is available each mission resets, and then you're able to play it and use skill to, to your advantage for for the mission or the contract.
0: Okay, very cool. Uh, as as far as um, party makeup goes, when you're playing uh, from the the trailer, I think all four characters are always on screen at all times. So. Is When you're playing the game, do, if you're playing by yourself, do you have three AIs with you, or are you playing it by yourself? How does, how does that work? No, in this case, there is
2: no AI. Okay. If you play by yourself, you will be alone against the planet. That being said, we balance the game depending on the number of players. So if you play by yourself, you will have an easier time than if you try to play by yourself with everyone dead in a party situation. So if you play with a friend, you will only play their winning only be two people, you can play with a party, four people. So not, no no yeah, involved. Okay.
0: Um, can everybody be Cosmo if they want to? Or do, if you pick one class do uh, do they have to yeah. fill out the roster? How does how does that work? No,
1: everybody can play which which character they want. Four player can play with Cosmos, with different
2: kinds of schemes, but it's the same character, yes. Okay. So, of course, it would be more optimal to have a balanced party. I don't
0: know. I feel like Jason Mask and Giant Sledgehammer is, is pretty balanced, but that's just.
2: not a blast. Yeah,
0: it's exactly. So, as, as far as the co op goes, is, is it all online or is there any uh, split screen co op or, I guess, couch co op?
1: And it's all online, yes, through, 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 through Steam,
0: so, uh, there, there's no split screen. Okay. I feel like that makes more sense generally with computer games versus, like, console games, because, uh, I feel like, you know, it's a little more difficult to crowd around a monitor than necessarily a, you know, TV in a living room or something like that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe
1: for the for the console version, because we, we do plan to release these uh, on the PS4 and the Xbox One uh, stores. So, maybe we'll have a look at it and see if it's needed. Okay. We want to play for people with big screen. But for PC, no. PC is just one screen. Uh
0: As far as any potential console versions, Would that be after the game has come out of early access and, you know, like the PC version has hit 1.0? You'd start worrying about that then?
1: Exactly. Okay. So right now we want to polish the game with the PC community, get it to a stage where we say, oh, it's awesome, it's a great experience, it's perfect, everybody's having fun, we're ready to launch it. Uh, And then, yeah, we'll move it, report it to uh, the console.
0: Well, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but everybody being happy and games running uh, perfectly—I feel like that might be a little too lofty of a goal. But, <laughs> but you know, you you have
1: to always shoot for the sky. Absolutely, a little bit lower.
0: Absolutely, I I, I dig the goal. Uh, just there, there's always somebody angry on the internet, so
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, angry angry players are always, is. but it's all right. We have a community managers here that they they, they will take care of them <laughs> and their frustrations and anger. Excellent.
0: <clears throat> so as as far as kind of the backstory of the game goes, uh, you've got these contracts that you're picking up. Uh, I guess all four characters are different types of of bounty hunters. But I guess what is what's the setup that's happening here? Is there a, is a their bigger story at play, or is it generally just picking up contracts and, you know, killing somebody or saving somebody or getting a package or whatever it is bounty hunters do? Well,
2: in this case, in the universe, there is a federation that controls part of the universe, and also you're a member of Kill Squad, hence the name of the game. So all these bounty hunters... They belong to the SkillSport organization and work for them. And they do the dirty work that no one wants to do. But in the end, uh, in the game, the, the goal is the gameplay, is to have fun. And we are trying to build a game for, for the gameplay. Of course, there will be part of backstory and everything. But the core the core theme of the game is the gameplay itself.
1: Yeah, we, we're not story-driven. We're more like, uh, we're building this universe with a backstory of them and then... Um... Make 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 the game playable through the contracts uh, and and be able to people gear up and have fun with it.
0: Okay, is there a, I guess in game to it or is it, a limited number of contracts that you're you're going to be playing through essentially?
1: I know we we we'll plan we we plan to bring them as much as possible and update them. Okay, so it, we have like a live contract screen and it always refreshes. And new ones come in all the time
0: so will there be a preset uh number of contracts when the the game comes out, and then you'll just be adding to it over time so that number just grows, or will there be ones that are like time sensitive where you've got your preset you know let's say there's fifty contracts or whatever just throwing that out there um, You've got fifty contracts, and this week we've got five exclusive ones, and next week those will go away, and there'll be five other ones. Or are they just all adding on top of each other? Or is that something to figure out?
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we want to do it like a game as a service. So basically have also planning seasons and specific times. So we will work around that. So we'll have, we will have to uh, have, the beginning. let's say, 50 contracts, which is like the early access one. And then once we launch them, if we see those work, we'll keep them, otherwise it will change them depending on the feedback. But once we go live worldwide with the big launch, we will have to keep a schedule, see which contracts work, which are more fun, what the players work. So we want to work also to see how the community reacts to it and also work with the seasons, special dates, special weeks, and have that alive as well. Maybe some of the community members they propose through the forums specific type of contracts or would we'll take that into consideration and keep feeding the game and make it as fun as possible okay
0: so you're just going to continually evolve it, change it, add to it, take from it if necessary if you know if a mission is yes. not up to par exactly gotcha very cool now I've got a question for you, and this is a little more i guess esoteric than info about the game itself. Recently on the Darkcast we had a conversation about um, single player games and games as service. I feel like that the phrase games as service has been used in, in the industry for a while now but I feel like it's a very ill-defined word. Like people throw it out there and I don't know if anybody actually knows what it means. Uh, no. But I feel like everybody individually kind of has their own vision for what a game as service would be. So, I guess what what is your kind of intent and vision behind making this a air quotes game as service?
1: So basically, you 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 you're paying for for the launch game, and you pay for our amount, and then through that time, we will be there to provide you with content, adding content and basically adding more, like, contracts in our case, which is going to be the nitty-gritty of, of the game. And then as we continue to evolve the game, uh, be contact with the community and then basically provide them with more interesting upgrades and weapons and uh, in terms of new gameplay, new modes. So that's the idea. Uh, we don't want to do any micro-payments because that's what basically free-to-play is, you know. They, oh, that that was gonna be uh, my next question. <laughs> yeah, they, they try game-as-a-service and free-to-play like our mix in between. But we like the concept of not just releasing the game and it's there, you buy it, you take it home, you play it and it's done. We, uh, when we met with game-as-a-service, we wanna keep the game alive and engage with the community and then at the same time, build the game and make it better each iteration, each upgrade, each DLC. So that's how we view game as a service on our end. Okay.
0: And just to, to reconfirm, uh, you're not planning on any sort of microtransactions or, or paying real money for weapons in the game or anything like that?
1: No. No, the thing is we don't believe in microtransactions or loot boxes. Because it's just just a bad way of doing business. <laughs> you,
0: you you get two it, thumbs it, up from Dark Stations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god,
2: no. We <laughs> hate that. And they getting the way of game design itself. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: oh you have to pay uh three three dollars to get this extra thing, it's like no man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If we do like expansions, which we plan to do, um, kind of like big upgrades, like, you know, World of Warcraft, Mm -hmm. uh, every couple of years, they do like huge upgrades to the game, and you have to pay an extra uh, $20 or $25, we plan to do that as well. So when we have a huge update with a lot of content, a lot of rebounds, we plan to do that as well, but for the time being, no, no microtransactions, nothing. Very cool.
0: Uh, as far as price point goes, what are you guys looking to launch at in early access?
1: Currently, I think we're at uh, the official one. I think it's going to be around fifteen ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine. We're still looking at that. Okay. It's going to be less than the actual play of the game, but I, I, I need to check with business because I'm, I'm not exactly sure how much it is. Okay. But the, our game will go in the range when it's fully launched of 29.99, which is what, gotcha. average. A game like this works. But for access, uh, uh, for early access, I don't know the exact number.
0: Okay, but um, basically, if somebody buys the game in early access and you know essentially helps fund the the development of the game, they'll get a discount on it. Than if somebody waits till it's um,
1: yeah, exactly. you know, one gotcha. Special match and special content. Okay with
0: early access we'll have to very cool now what what is your uh i mean you've already kind of talked about that you want to make this game with the community uh but are there any specific goals that you have kind of going into early access that you i guess certain areas of the game that you want feedback on or what what are, what are your main goals in early access
1: well, we're going to achieve, basically, see how these, because it's a, we're inventing a new type of playing these kind of top-down view games, so we want to see what, what the community thinks are the good things, the good elements, or what they will change. So we're looking forward to see how they react to what we're proposing, basically, and, and take it from there.
2: Yes, and of course, one thing that we know, even if we have tested and tested, the balance of the game will be broken because players will find a way to exploit certain character traits or certain combinations of pairs that we haven't even thought of. So feedback, of course, on how the game is balanced and if a certain enemy has too much health or certain character is broken, that, of course, we're really looking forward to. Okay.
0: okay. Uh, do you have a uh, projected goal for how long you'll be in early access?
1: Yeah, we want to go till the end of the month okay oh, sh- no sorry till the end of the year sorry, sorry oh
0: okay i was like wow that is that is a really fast uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming out in july guys
1: wow okay around july hopefully at the end of the month we want to do an early access <laughs> launch that's it and then we'll take it to the end of the year
0: okay gotcha
1: i sorry i got to be
0: that's all right that's all right oh
1: my my brain is also drifting
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh that is understandable that is understandable um (laughs) uh oh god i'm trying to i feel like i had other questions uh from just a moment ago and i'm trying to remember what it was i'm sorry (laughs) no it's that's all good that's all good um Yes yeah, it's, it's the great thing about doing podcasts you know and recording them before they're ever released into the wild. You can always just edit stuff like this out, and I don't have to sound like a, a buffoon. Um, I think I think this is where I wanted to go, but it may just be a completely different direction. Uh, as far as the contracts go, are they all unique maps? Or are you going to be having like different objectives on the same maps with different enemies? How does that?
2: Currently, you, know, again, you have three different what we call planets. Okay. that are different systems, there is a desert, there is a wasteland, there is a planet chemic, and there is a space prison. And these different planets have their own enemies and their own zones. But for every contract, there are a lot of different contracts, for example, in the prison and we use procedural generation to generate the different kind of maps. Yeah. So every time you go to a different contract, the map will be different.
1: So every time you play, will be a different kind of uh, setting. Well, the setting will be the same, the map will be different. Gotcha.
0: Now, is that true for the same contract? If I replay the same contract over again, will it be a different map again, or will, is it procedurally generated per it
2: contract? It's a map, yeah. So it's never boring. Gotcha. However, different contracts can have different segments. For instance, maybe one contract is in the in the swamps of Keme, but there is a plethora of different kind of swamps. Another contract is on the desert or the wasteland with only the desert and all the kind of dangerous enemies. Mm-hmm. But yes, they will be different. Okay.
1: Otherwise, the players will memorize them up. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, I feel like procedurally generating a map brings a, a whole it, it brings a lot of uh interesting possibilities but it also brings a whole new set of uh challenges is is that one of the main things that you guys are wanting to kind of get the feedback on with early access because I, I don't know if there's a, an easy way to i guess kind of like hone that algorithm than just to have people play it over and over again and see what works and doesn't well, in our case, well, how we're doing
2: generations, that we have a set of what we call rooms or chunks, mm-hmm. and those chunks have a certain game design element. So those chunks are tested, and then what we do is we combine these rooms into a, a different kind of order. So in in a certain way, we can test that the gameplay itself works fine, and it's the permutation of these rooms that will make the pattern different. But of course. Uh, we will have to see the, the players, how they feel about how we're doing the procedural generation. As you have said, making something procedural generated and being not repetitive in the end or not finding some kind of patterns can be uh, challenging us. Yeah.
0: So how do... Um, do generally levels end with boss battles or kind of what... How do contracts differ from one another? Are they generally just going out and killing a particular enemy, or what are, what are some of the different types of objectives that you'll be having?
2: Yes, uh, different contracts have different objectives. For instance, there are some kill contracts, of course, where you have to kill one kind of enemy or a special enemy, but also there's a mission to escort a vehicle to a destination and protect it, or a mission to control a certain point while the antenna charges for some data to arrive. So there are different kind of missions, then its contract can be a variation of one of those. Of course, right now we have one set of different missions, and we're planning with, with uh, what they called later before, or games and service, to include more different kind of contracts, more missions, so to add more and more and more variety to the game. Yeah.
0: Okay, I think that's everything that I wanted to ask about the game itself. Um, so at, at this point, we like to move into. Um, Again what we call the uh the end game uh which is probably my favorite part of the show uh because I get to hear people sweat uh over the internet uh, <laughs> first question not easy but very simple who's your favorite video game character can be hero sidekick or villain mm, yes,
2: sir. well okay so, well in my case that's impossible question for me to answer but <laughs> maybe if i had to choose what first came to my mind i would have to choose the the trio of emil jonah and kaini for the first near the near from the ps3 and it's 360, because those characters are, are so their stories are so emotional and so intense and you get so attached to them that it's they're special for me
1: okay for me, it's also very difficult, but as I said, the first thing that popped into my mind, I think it's Mario from Mario Bros. Okay. The poor guy just keeps on saving the princess over and over and over, and stuck in a loop forever. Yeah, it hasn't kind of a, a huge dramatic backstory but uh, it's like I grew up with it so it's it's to bring it into my video game psyche so I will say that.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So different kind of question. If you could replay any game again for the first time so you get that first uh you know experience with it again. You don't have to worry about it aging poorly or anything like that. You're you're guaranteed as good of an experience as you had the, the first time basically but if you could just do it all over again uh fresh what would it be
2: well maybe for me it will be the, the final fantasy nine maybe it's because it was the first game the first final fantasy that i played like that that experience of going into that kind of world that setting the originality of the of everything it was magical so definitely final fantasy nine
1: okay and for me, it would be Super Metroid. It was the first game that I actually sweated at the end, mm-hmm. which was just the spectacle of killing Mother Brain. I just remember vividly, like my heart, my heart was pounding and I was sweating. So I, you know, I think it's going to be that one.
0: Okay, I like those answers. Good stuff. All right, so th- this one's a little different. It's a little, um, it's a little more difficult uh if you could give a second chance to a game so no matter why you gave up on it if you uh you played it at a bad time in your life or if you uh just you, know, you thought you would like it and you didn't but you you always wanted to go back to it and haven't uh what what's a game that you would like to give a second fresh chance to
2: well I have to say maybe this is cheating because I I actually ended up playing it very recently. But Silent Hill for the Room was a game that really surprised me. Because when I played it, and at first I didn't like it. It was this is not Silent Hill for me. This game's really bad. And and I ended up playing it recently. And the enemy design, the song, it's actually quite quite bad. But the story itself, the atmosphere everything. It's actually really good. Maybe it should not be called Silent Hill itself, but the game itself, which it's, I, I should have given it before a second chance, I think. Yeah.
0: I feel like that happens a lot with games where um, you know, maybe, maybe it's a different developer or maybe the developer is just trying something new, fresh with a series and it comes out and you're like, you know what, if, if I didn't have the expectation of this being a Silent Hill game or whatever else the case may be. It's like, it may be a fantastic game in its own right, but you just have a hard time divorcing what the game is from what the title says it should be.
1: And for me, it would be Skyrim. I tried to play it like a couple of times and I don't know what's happened. I get bored in like the first 20 minutes and everybody says it's an amazing game. It's great. It's fantastic. And I don't know. I, I just can't get past, I think the controls or the static. Something yeah. happens, I just disconnect.
0: I feel you there. I uh, I don't entirely know what it is, but I've I've never been a big fan of Bethesda games. Uh, I generally play them for about ten hours, and then I I feel like I've, even though there's potentially like thousands of hours of stuff to do, like I feel like I've actually sampled like every part of the game, and everything else is just going to be repeating what I've I've already done and I don't enjoy playing it enough to to want to do that.
1: Yeah, it happens to me. It's kind of strange, but everybody raves about the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Okay. So is is there a good trend that's going on in video games, whether it's being done by only a few studios or, or, you know, maybe you see it uh, more prolific than that, but just something that that video games are doing that you want to see more of. Well, really, I, I think that more single player
2: games right now are needed, although indies really are really needed, but for instance right now, I'm really excited about Death Stranding, because it's that kind of thing that we're trying to do something different, not trying to go with the trend itself. Uh, that can be a trend, not going with the trend. But I, I really like the idea of more single player games focused on the story or on trying to experiment and do different things because we, it seems that we have stagnated to the kind of games that everything has to be a game as a service, everything has to be half load boxes, everything has to be online multiplayer. So, this trying to create some single player games, I think it's a good trend. Yeah, we
1: we'll have to agree with that. Right now, we, we each year have, like, flavor of the month or flavor of the year or flavor of the decade. And right now, we are, like, in the uh, Battle Royale. Mm. Track. <laughs> so everybody's copying that. And uh, so every game that's still that makes it successful, everybody falls behind, like, follow the money. Uh, I would like to see more people have more creativity and create new experiences. Like, for me, in the indie scene, Celeste was an amazing game. It was really hard, but it was just...
0: What was oh,
1: it? A uh, Celeste. yeah. On the Switch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a new take, and the story was there, and the aesthetics was there. And it was a simple game, and we, we like that. We, everybody's just going to the business side. And of, course, of course, we need money to make games, uh, but we have to find a balance in them, because it's also an art form to some extent.
2: That being said, the talk about uh, single player games, that we're actually doing an uh, online game. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can play single
1: player, as well, you can enjoy it by yourself and have a good time still. Yeah. And you can play with friends. So it's just a mix of both, mm-hmm. which is great.
0: Awesome. Now, th- this is actually going to jump back really quick. I-, I don't generally like to go backwards in time. Uh, but is it a-, a four player max count in uh, Kill Squad, or can you have more? uh people with you so sorry, sure, the question
1: was if there is a four, four player max yes yeah, currently it's four player max yeah okay. okay maybe in the future if we get a request from the community we can test it out maybe we can have like six people squad or even more we don't know okay
0: cool all right um so going back to the end game what is a bad trope that you wish would just go away uh, and you can't say microtransactions because we've already talked about our collective disgust of, of microtransactions. Can we, say, can we say loot
1: boxes?
0: <laughs> uh, one of you can. One of you can say loot boxes, but we need at least one new answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so in video games. Yeah, backdrops are uh,
2: always connected uh, to, be, to be able to play. I think it's really bad. Yeah. Because if. You are somewhere that you don't have internet connection or something. You can't.
1: You can't play. It is frustrating, yes. Or you're on a plane and then you you bring the switch or your mobile phone and you're going to play on the plane. You don't have Wi-Fi on the plane. It's like, mm. really? Yeah. And, yeah. Currently for me, it would be good boxes. But I think there's like legislation right now in U.S. Congress trying to get rid of them, which is great.
0: Yeah, I, I don't... I haven't really kept up with it, but I have heard uh, stuff about that, so we'll see. I hope it
1: gets regulated, because it's just horrible. It is.
0: It is ridiculous. Um, As far as uh, Kill Squad goes, so you don't have to be connected to the internet uh, to play that?
2: If you want to play single player, for instance, you don't have to be connected to the internet.
0: So the, the new missions that get added to it, will those just be kind of downloaded in a patch, and then once you have those, you have those missions with you? Yes. It's, it's a patch from the game. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Uh, so now to a completely different question. Uh, if you guys are making video games, which is awesome, and you're you're living the dream, but if you could try – any other profession, and this is not assuming that anything bad happens and you have to do something else, uh, but if you could just give another profession a shot, what would you like to do for a living?
2: That is a difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I would do something related with programming because I love to program. But if this was a fantasy kind of a scenario, maybe I would be a doctor only because my as a child, I always thought that I want to be a doctor when I grow up. So maybe that would be the case, to help other people and everything. But I don't know. It's a really difficult question.
0: Sure. uh, Is there a particular type of doctor that you would like to be? I don't really know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I would love to be a food critic. A food critic? Okay. That would be amazing. You travel the world, you eat in the best restaurants, and you write horrible reviews. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the best
0: awesome okay and that, that actually brings us to our final question uh, alright so Ricardo, David you guys are walking down the street and all of a sudden Emil, Yona, Neer, and Mario all appear you get to ask them one question what is it and how do they respond
1: I would like to ask in my case Mario, right? Because it's a character range. Right. I, mm-hmm. I will ask Mario when is he finally gonna tie that on with Princess Tolstoy Because <laughs> he's just dragging <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> does he have an answer for you? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think that's gonna be his answer. <laughs>
2: I think that the only question I could ask is if they're happy. And I hope the answer is yes.
1: Oh, that's so sad.
2: (laughs) So
0: you hope the answer is yes. Do you think that the answer is actually going to be yes?
2: I don't know. I hope so. (laughs) The first Year is a game that a lot of people should play. Because it's not the best gameplay. It's not the best graphics, but... The story, man.
0: Did, did you play uh, Automata? Yes, yes, yes. After
2: like the <laughs> second year, I went crazy. It was <laughs> How is this possible? The first one didn't sell anything. <laughs> how can this be happening? But it's happening. It was <laughs> awesome. Which one do you like more? I Even though the gameplay and all the mechanics are really well better in the second game, the characters in the first game, I like them more. So... I think the first one I prefer. prefer Even though I have to say that it's a worst game. It's kind
0: of difficult. Okay, well that, that last question was just bonus. Uh, congratulations you guys finished the in-game and uh, the interview. Uh, I have no prizes for you uh, except my, my gratitude for, for you showing up and chatting about Kill Squad. Uh, if you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can actually go to find out more information about the game.
1: So we are on Instagram, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, (laughs) and on Steam, of course. So you you just type uh, Kill Squad or Kill Kill Squad Game, you will find us and then have a look at the game, the trailers, we're posting every week, death diaries, we're posting videos of gameplay of the characters. And then uh, we'll be on E3 as well, so if you're there, uh, come and see us at the Indicate booth. Uh, and then we'll be giving you the date for we're going to do the early access, and then take it from there.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much again for hitting my mic. Uh, thank you guys so much for um, sitting down with me and chatting about Kill Squad. Uh, this podcast will probably be released after. E3 has already happened because that's going to be a crazy week Uh, but uh, I guess me talking in the past good luck as you guys ramp up and go to that crazy thing Uh, (laughs) I hope you all stay healthy and uh, good luck as you get the game out into people's hands and continue development hopefully we can talk about uh, your next project when you're ready to
1: talk about it awesome Thank thank you very much Have a great day.